This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. Oh, we just want to hear in a great position. Sakaja running a goal. Plays it to Alessandro. who lets it run for Bantam. Bantam now. Head up. Drives in, turns, left foot is short, brilliantly safe. Oh! Sakaja so close to conveying the rebound. Live interviews. You know, do you start with the new main stand, join it onto the Homesdale, you know, really do up the Homesdale so that it's properly finished? Or do you go for a start with the new main stand, knock down the Homesdale as the next phase of it, put, you know, put something that then fits with a kind of modern looking stadium and there's a lot of work that, 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 that's still got to be done on that just to get to exactly what, what would be the right answer for Seller. Expert analysis. Douglas Wright has been called up to the Scotland Youth Squad and... What? <laughs> what, the, what the hell? Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 Humbling Chris 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 Well that's clearly gone very well I think I'm going to step in at this point And uh, say welcome to Homestale Radio This is me, John Burgess I'm joined by uh, Well hopefully Chris Hambling here at some point We've got Alex White on the show uh, We've got Mark Ross And Barney Fox how are we all doing, lads? Fantastic. How are we doing? All right, boys? Yeah, great. Uh, uh, Chris is what's still that? frozen. From, yeah, what's uh, happened to him? His, his frozen in exploits, time. Which we will come to uh, you know, very, very briefly about our game with FIP. But um, for, for the moment, I, I think we, we've got the hairdryer on him. Uh, <laughs> Trying try, try to thaw him out. <laughs> so, lads, we've had um, 
well, we've we've had an interesting week, and we want to hear about the uh, the listeners' weeks. So, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can call in uh, on o two o three four seven double five nine nine nine. You can email us at radio at homestyle.net. You can also follow us online twitter dot com forward slash whole radio and facebook dot com forward slash whole radio. So, do get in touch with us, and you can also obviously tweet us at whole radio we've got alex in the contact hub this evening he's going to be keeping on all of your tweets and i say we want to hear from you about the, the watford game that's just been as well as the uh the upcoming middlesbrough game which unfortunately i'm not going to be at and i'm gutted it's my first home game missed of the season so uh yeah we'll see we'll see, we'll see how that one goes lads we're going to go straight into this, uh, having a look no. basically let, let me speak you're all right he back? he's back yeah <laughs> <laughs> fashionably late chris hambling Ah. Well, I was there. I was sort of talking into the microphone. I even had a, an hilarious intro where I said uh, hello to everyone, and then I said, "Or if you're listening in Croydon, Wagwan." But <laughs> I, I lost, and, and now look, now look what's happened. I you don't even know. What said. Chris, that's what happened. It's ridiculous. Sounds like a miracle in disguise, to be honest. With that, with that intro. <laughs> Thanks, Barney. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, have you told everyone what, we, what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, you've been dropped. What I've done so far is. Uh, <laughs> Fired you, Mikey's now some kind of god apparently. So he tells me, and um, yeah, I've given out contact details. It's, That's it's, brilliant. It's um, so there were a few other things. Did you talk about the um, obviously Nothing. the chance to win tickets to Palace versus Leeds, courtesy of Grosvenor Resourcing? No, I didn't, Chris. Tell us more. Well, if you um, well, there's well, all you need to do to potentially win tickets uh, to Palace versus Leeds it's the home game. I think we've played the away game. You can't win tickets to that. Um, you go to www. Grosvenor Resourcing, that's G-R-O-S-V-E-N-O-R Resourcing.com forward slash CPFC um, and find out how. I should really have probably looked how and then I can tell you. But there we go. Um, did well, you tell people about listen? Did you tell people about they can listen using TuneIn Radio? I did not get onto TuneIn Radio yet. You can listen oh. by TuneIn Radio and searching whole radio, I believe. You can, if you go to wholeradio.net forward slash mobile, there's some instructions there how you can listen on your mobile device. Well, that was good, wasn't it? Did you tell people that we're going to talk about Watford and all that business? Yeah, I've asked them to get in contact with you, Chris. Sweet. Yeah, they should do that. Um, all right, well, that's been gone brilliantly. As far as introductions go, that's impressive, isn't it? Um, <laughs> One of the best. First? What we're going to do first, we've got, um, we asked people during the course of, uh, to, well, last couple of days, really, what sort of topics that they would choose to talk about. Uh, so before we get into the actual review of that Watford game, we've got a few. Um, obviously, the, the questions are kind of linked to the performance against Watford, and there are a few from, in fact, four people. It's sort of like a joint question, if you like. We've combined into one: uh, Craig, Michael, Amy, and Paddy. Uh, they all ask: Is Hol- Ian Holloway choosing the wrong team or tactics, or both? Um, talking about long ball, long ball in the first half, passing in the seconds. No Johnny Williams playing in the first half, on in the second. All that sort of stuff, and why we think that is. So we're going to have a little chat around that one if we can. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, the first point on that I want to make. I mean, if you're talking specifically about the Watford game, I know um, Ian Holloway said in his pre-match conference that Johnny Williams wouldn't start because he'd been away at the under twenty ones. You know, I just think. There's always seems to be a reason not to play Williams, and a lot of it is relating to his um, relating to his his lack of uh, fitness and the fact that he keeps getting injuries. But but he does. I mean, you see the way he played against Watford guys. You really can't keep him out any longer, can you? Uh, if I start, Barney, you got an opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, 
talking about the first half, I, I, I really was quite comparable to the Charlton game. And I think, you know, Williams is he's an impact player, isn't he, in the second half, definitely. And I think Holloway's playing him like that at the moment. Kind of touching on the first point, I guess, is that, you know, that, that we we were away at Watford, you know, arguably they're probably the best counter-attacking team in the league. Mm. And we didn't really shut up shop with them. You know, instead of going in for 20 minutes, just shutting up the back line, we were playing really deep. We didn't tend to do that. We weren't quite... I mean, Holloway obviously wanted to, to close it down, but he, but we just didn't manage to do it. We tried, kind of tried breaking away from it a little bit. And I think if you're going to go out with tactics, let's, let's stick to them, you know? And I don't think we quite held that back line as tight as we should have done. You know, hence the reason we were 2-0 down within 13 minutes. Yeah. Uh, do you think, I mean, on the, uh, uh, on the subject of, the, of, of basically playing the style we should be playing, and obviously the players do help that, bringing on people like Phillips and like Williams, they, they do help you play the style that Ian Holloway wants to play. But that's kind of the point I want to make, is that he, does, he doesn't want to play long ball. You can hear it when he talks about the way we're starting games and the fact that we're slow, we're not quite on it. and It's options. And again, we talked about it the last two, the last two games, Charlton and uh, Huddersfield. We talked about perfect example of uh, Jazz Richards getting a, seeing a lot of the ball in right back he's always given himself his, mm. as an option M- I guess that probably comes from coming through at Swansea and, and the philosophy that, they're, that they've brought through really mm. and um, so basically he's, he's, he's used to being, being in a position where he receives the ball and he's got options ahead of him and you see him in the first half of games he's just got nowhere to pass no, I, exactly, and I think you know it, we've got some really exciting guys um, on the wings. You know, with Zaha, uh, Belasi cutting in. I think he's been an absolute credit really for the last two games. Um, his work rate has just been unbelievable. And I think the problem is is that they're not quite. We're not all singing from the same hymn sheet, as it were. You know, we've got this massive gap in the midfield where the back four are sitting back because they've been. It seems like they've been told to kind of shut up shoppers, as I kind of keep referring to. Um, yeah, the, the, our strikers and, um, and midfields just, you know, we just sort of want to push forward. And it's like, well, what are we going to do, boys? And then, second half, it's like they go into the tunnel and go, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's go and just stuff them now. Let's just go and play really attacking football. And then, guess yeah. what? We have a great second half. It's brilliant. It, it's weird. I just, I don't, I can't imagine for a second it's a conscious decision. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't imagine. I think it's almost like when, it's not like we get in. In a half time, and Ian Holloway goes, Well, you know, change your plan, lads. Although there is a. There it feels is a like it, though, doesn't it? It does. It, it, it absolutely does. Because it's a totally different team when they come out, and it's almost yeah. like, Well, that didn't work, so come on, let's just revert back to what we know. Mm. Um, I don't know, so, is that a bit harsh? Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just, just, I don't know if it's quite as uh, black and white as that. Let's, let's bring some other people in there. Um, John, let's get your, uh, your opinion first of all. Well, the Johnny Williams thing, I th- you know what? I think. For the moment, his perfect time is to come on a sort of around the half-time mark if someone if we, we haven't quite got the impact going forward. Because you know what? Him against tired legs is brilliant because his work rate is, is amazing. So yeah. I, th- I can see it, why Holloway's doing what he's doing. I don't think we've got the personnel to be able to do that at the moment. I think he should be starting. You know, um, if we had Moritz still, you know, I would say you could put Moritz on, take him on off at half-time and then give Johnny, Johnny Williams the rest of the game. And uh, that's probably how you're going to get the most effectiveness out of him. So, uh, but in terms of the first half performance, it's absolutely bizarre, isn't it? I, I think for me, the Charlton game was to do with uh, the personnel that were on the pitch. And partially the Watford game, I think the same. I don't know if Dobby had a really good impact behind Glenn Murray. I don't know that he and Murray, I don't think he and Murray really linked up that well. 
and KG and Marrow clearly didn't link up that that well. So that so the midfield was really sort of cut out, and um, because of that, Delaney's humping balls up over trying to get to Glenn Murray or you know Zaha high, and that's pointless really because Zaha's never going to win that. Mm. I mean, one of the things that we can't do, obviously, well, we say I, I'm assuming that we can't do. I, I do think he'd definitely have less less of an impact. Is start with Kevin Phillips, and he has certainly been, in, certainly in Holloway's opinion, with Williams has been the catalyst for for the for the improvement. So, but if I can ask you, Mark, do you, if you take the Watford game specifically, what what would you have changed at the start of that game? Uh, I think the question that's kind of on everybody's lips when you read the post-match reports and so forth and what people have got to say after the game is Ian Holloway, tactical or slightly flawed genius. And to me, is a bit of both. I think his, his tactics are great. And like we've already mentioned, I don't know that we necessarily have the perfect personnel to quite play the game he's looking for. And the starting eleven for both Charlton and Watford was, I think most people were a bit surprised when they saw the team sheets. But obviously things changed in both games, second half, to, um, to his credit. And, um, you know, Kevin Phillips and Johnny Williams were both, were both centre to, to those change, changes in performances. Uh, that's how I kind of look at it. Okay, mate. Um, well, I'll go back to you, Barney, very quickly before we go and look at some other. Um, well, uh, let's let's take what Naveed says actually on um, when he tweeted us earlier. He says, um, you know, why are the players players scared of, of playing to their own strengths from the start? It seems to be frustrating Holloway too. Um, so obviously Holloway seemingly frustrated. I'd, I'd agree with that as an observation. Um, but is he to blame? I don't think he is. To be honest with you, I think we're playing. This is what I mean. This is a frustrating thing for me. Is when we can, we can, we can really turn on. I think watching us, it's. I think if you compare us to going back, you know, going through previous seasons, I think we're playing the best football we've played for a long time. I don't think it's. I don't think it's his fault. I think Mm. they're going out with a plan, and like I said, I'm not too sure the team is fitted to do it. You know, I don't think we're. You know, we do have that option to have the hit man up front within Murray. But I don't think we like playing that way. And I think we're reverting back to kind of classic championship football, lobbing out the top and hitting the front man. Whereas actually we're much better at just keeping it on the deck, moving it quick and, and kind of working our way up there. Um, is it Holloway's fault? No, I think, you know, it just proves it when he can just he can turn it in the second half. And it might it, to me, it does feel very black and white because... It's like you're watching two different teams half the time. Mm. Barney, don't you, don't you think it is a bit, it is a bit like he, he is a kind of genius in a way, but he's still sort of tinkering around a bit. I hate to use that word because it kind of reminds me of another football manager. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, he he you can yeah. he's got this picture. He knows what he wants to do. He yep. tries to implement it, but <laughs> it doesn't always go quite according to plan. No, and but I think he, he but he's but the brilliant thing is he's able to see it from the side and say right this isn't working i'm going to change it changes it and and it's dramatic the change you know yeah and and, and that's where that's where he earns his bucks that's my opinion anyway i I think yeah i think you're right and you know i think the point is can we play like that for 90 minutes and maybe it's an impactful thing and you know what we're saying earlier is that you know johnny williams does come on and you know he's he's all you know he terrorizes people with tired legs is he gonna have the same impact in the first half we don't know yet you know that'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see us actually playing like that for um, for ninety minutes, and, and maybe it's because we went through a bit of a bad spell that he's kind of thinking, right, we need to stop letting in goals at the back, and we don't seem to be conceding goals late 
either anymore, which is a good sign, which we were doing kind of back end of December, January time, you know? John? Yeah, I think that for me there's, t- there's two main points. It's one is obviously we're missing the main man in Jedinak, who um, in front of that back four has been a rock this season. I think they are suffering without him. But without that, looking at the sort of the way he's, he's clearly, you know, brought in players so he's got options to bring on in the second half. But the question that I have is, is he, you know, is, is the starting lineup sort of not, not, not as strong because he wants these options? You know, is, you know, is he sort of detracting from what we've got in the starting 11? So he's got these options to bring on. And is, is that the right, right way of doing it? Well, do you think, though, that, uh, Chris, what do you reckon? I still think that he's protecting Johnny Williams uh, in terms of uh, the amount of game time he's giving him. Uh, with regards to the fact that he's nursing him back from a, a pretty pretty bad injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be it. And, and the thing that we've seen in the past is we've seen him come back for a couple of games and then, and then get a muscle injury. And you know, he's played a big part in in getting us a good result against Charlton and and getting us a, a you know a decent point away at Watford, who have been flying. So arguably, he's making a contribution, and we're not losing him for those periods of time. And but I think as as I mean, now we're, we're playing in midweek for the, for the Wales under twenty ones and getting a goal, and still playing quite a significant part in the game on Friday. I mean, I think he's starting to show that he's he's over that now. You know, he's he's putting in the minutes. He's not suffering too badly, although although he had tight calves pre-game, so I'm sure he's probably struggling a little bit after the match. But you know, I, th- I think we're getting to that point now where he will be at a start. And what I thought was quite good um, at the on Friday night was as he played more of a central midfield role for a you know for a period and show and it's it's the other side to his game that people don't talk quite so much about it's the tackling and the harrying of other people you know he can put in a challenge and he's not weak you know every, we we know it and but you see him and he looks like a little, still looks like a little kid although I did notice a bit of a bit of stubble in the interview so he is growing up bless him stubble's but, um, being generous Chris it's being very very generous <laughs> it was bum fluff but, and we all know nah, it. I think it was just a grass stain to be honest with you when he fell over let's be honest <laughs> oh bless but no seriously I mean he I've talked about him before he's he's a tough tough player and I think it would have been good for Ian Holloway to see him playing more sort of for more slightly further back in, in central midfield and doing the sort of fetching and carrying as well. And I still maintain you watch count you can you can watch ninety minutes of Johnny Williams playing. I guarantee you won't get if you count you know, one one finger per tackle on him, I don't think you'll you have to use more than one hand. So few people actually get a challenge in on him. It's it's pretty hilarious, um, but but it, it's almost as if he mesmerises them. He's he's quite one-footed when he dribbles. You know, you know, this doesn't really seem any sort of reason they can't tackle him, other than the fact that they know by the time their foot's there, it'll whip the ball away. So, absolutely amazing player. But he seems to be able to turn quicker than almost any other player I've seen. You know, he can just change direction at the drop of a hat, mm. and um, that, that's what defending against that is a nightmare. Because you know they they obviously lined up one way. They're going to have to turn the long long way to get to the other side, mm. and they've lost him in that second because they've got to try and find him. He's so small. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just it's just it's a weird one. He's, I mean, we sort of we said before. Obviously, the feeling before he got that broken leg was he was coming through at a similar sort of time to prominence as Wilf. Obviously, Wilf had been played a fair few more games, but started to mature. And then Johnny Williams came in, and he just thought, "Wow, you know, which one's better?" There's always going to be very different players. It's 
bit of a debate, but Jolly Williams, his football brain is just it's there, fully formed. He you know he knows when to play a pass, he knows when to delay a pass, he knows when to you know put in a tough challenge, he knows you know when to when to step away from a situation. He knows you know and he he just he can give him the ball, and it reminds me he's a much better player without being disrespectful to who I'm going to mention, but he's, he reminds me a little bit of Michael Hughes in that. He's a player you can just give the ball to, and you know it's just not going to, it's it's not going to be lost. If you know what I mean, uh, and that that to me is just such an important thing, Mark. Yeah, I was just going to say, like looking at the game, like afterwards. I mean, basically, football is like I don't know, a game of dynamics, isn't it? And and what Holloway does is when he brings people like Kevin Phillips and Johnny Williams into the game, Phillips sort of his role is like is is more about movement giving defenders more to think about and freeing up space for for Glenn Murray as he did mm. on um Friday night while Williams draws defenders and but unlike Wilf he is more willing to pass into free space so it's just better options isn't it and different options giving giving the opposition more to think about giving them more to worry about <laughs> and he obviously does that he clearly rattles the oppo defense when he's on the pitch you know uh, Alex, I think you got a tweet in to, on, on the subject. Yeah, we've got one in from Will Gain. He says, uh, I think Ollie sees him as an impact player until he stops getting injured. think he'll be on the bench against Barra. Yeah, it's a pretty good summary. Um, again, I, I would be massively tempted to start him, especially <coughs> Middlesbrough. We'll talk about them a bit later on. Mark's going to take us for a preview of, uh, of that match, but I think they're there for the taking. And I'd like to see us start a game better. Um, it's great seeing us finish these games well, but... I think if we don't address it now, then it could it could cost us big. We're at the business end of the season. There's what sixteen, thirteen games, don't I? So a few games left. <laughs> um, we're you know we're at a very very critical point, and we can't really. If you think, although perhaps we were fortunate with the way we played early on, if, if you think we turn that win, that turn into a, that win against Watford rather than the, the, just a point, you know we'd we'd be sitting there in second. So. There we go. I, I, we'll, um, we could talk about Johnny Williams. We could talk about the, the, the first half stuff all day, but we're not going to. Um, very, very quickly, it's a question from Robbo. He asks, um, possible reasons why we don't take more chances on goal when opportunity arise. opportunities arise. Um, other than, I suppose, Yannick Balassi, you'll have a shot from pretty much anywhere. Um, is there a degree? Very, very, I'll just ask one of you on this because we're going to get to move on a little bit. Um, so I'm going to ask you, John. Um, yeah. Did it, did um, you. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> Can I find a friend? You've got, you've, no, I've you've got, got no friends, life. damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no lifelines left. Um, no, seriously. Um, is, is, is there a danger that we don't shoot when we have opportunities? I mean, c- case in point, right at the end of the game against Watford, Kevin Phillips gets the ball at his feet. He's already put one away. Um, chance to shoot and try. just gets caught in two minds. Do I, do I shoot? Do I play in Wilf? Kind of, sort think- of does neither. I think it's two different points. I think the Kevin Phillips one, I'll take that as an isolated case because Kevin Phillips is never one to be shy of having a shot. And I think, honestly, he did just get genuinely confused by what he was going to do. I think he'd made up his mind to shoot, then saw was it Wilf and thought, should I lay it in? And by that point, the, the moment was gone. But I do think, yes, that there, there is a sort of temptation we need to almost pass the ball into the net at times and make things perfect but as you say having Balassi who will shoot anywhere within a four mile radius of a goal he um he he himself offers that you know um that other avenue and I think Jedinak's 
you know, we've seen him score from distance this season. KG certainly likes to have a cracker goal when he gets forward. So, um, I, I don't know. I think sometimes when we get into the right close to the goal, I think there's a, you know, a, a passing of the buck sometimes to Glenn Murray because of the form mm. he's in. But no, I, don't, I don't really see it as a problem. I think, you know, we've scored enough goals this season to know we're on something good. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a really good way of putting it, actually. It's, it's not like we've struggled quite so much we're, goals. We're, we're second top scorer in the league, aren't we, I think? Mm. I think it's after, just... After Watford. It's just noticeable that our, our best run was defensively wasn't really that much different to what we're doing now. But we were scoring more goals at the time. We were getting twos and threes, you know. Yeah, but also we haven't had as many penalties lately either. We had a ridiculous number of penalties early in the season. Yeah, that we, no, we just haven't had recently. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, well, look, we'll um, move on from that one. I've got a um, question. Uh, Ross Phillips asked a couple of questions. I've pushed, we pushed one of them into the review of Watford. So then the, the other one I'm going to ask uh, to, to Mark. Uh, is Alex Merrow good enough? Um, playing along the right, playing next to the right person, yeah, I think he is. But... Uh, um, I think he's going to struggle to get into the team once Jednak's fit, and hopefully that will be this Saturday. But um, yeah, I've, I mean, he promised so much when a couple of years ago before he got injured, and you know he's flitted in and out. And I'm glad to see him back playing. And I thought um, his first game back was it was it Stoke or Charlton? I can't remember. I think it was uh, featured Stoke, yeah, yeah. I yeah, and I thought he played really well. And um, But there's a lot of competition now for places. And I think one of the unsung people is Stephen Dobby because mm. he does a lot of... He reads the game really well. He can pick a pass. He's quite creative and he, he makes a lot of intelligent runs. And, and he doesn't really get the credit because, you know, there, there are, you know, the goal scorers get the credits or, you know, the... the Big name players, if you like, get the credits, uh, the Murrays and the Wilson Zahas and so forth. And he's in there doing a job, and I think he's doing a really good job. And I think, I think uh, it shouldn't be underestimated how how what a good signing Stephen Dobby's been. Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, I think we have a oh, Mark. I can hear my voice coming from you. I don't know why that is. Can you mute or something? Just for a bit, please. Hooray! Okay. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we do have a voicemail in from Jerry. Uh, hopefully we're ready to play it. So can we go to that, please, Mikey? Hi, Chris and Coach. Jerry, just wanted to say that I uh, probably enjoyed the Watford game in a strange sort of way. I felt we were very sluggish coming out. And I think when teams go for us and don't let us settle, we're panicking to play in this long fall Bullarkey. I did feel that um, Jazz Rich is a very good player out of there. And I feel that um, Ward might find it hard getting back into that slot. It covers a lot of ground. He, re- he reads the game exceptionally well. Um, I know he may have been at fault for the first goal, but generally speaking, I, I really, really think he's a really good addition to the squad. I think uh, William should not necessarily start yet for the reasons you already mentioned tonight, but I do also believe that uh, he knows how to bring a calming influence on the whole team when he comes on, and he reminds the team what it is like to play the ball on the floor, because personally I feel we're better, and the team feel more comfortable in playing the ball on the floor, and I think when clubs come out, teams come at us, we panic and we play this long ball, which really 
plays into their hands and out of ours. But I'm still confident we can go forward and upwards. And um, if we can get six points from these next two difficult home games, we'll be putting the pressure points up. I do feel that um, Butterfield possibly may not play much more in terms of the loan period coming to an end. And also, is it Naomi, the, um, the Man City player? But uh, I do think... I've got a good feeling that we can finish strongly, providing we keep calm and play the ball on the floor much more than we have done. All the very best. Up the Eagles. <laughs> great, stuff from, great stuff from Jerry, as always. Um, a couple of little things I wanted to pick up on there that were quite good. He is right. He's good observation, obviously. Butterfield is coming to the end of his loan. I know very early on, uh, after we signed him on the, initially on the month loan, there was um, an indication, I think it was from Steve Brown on the BBS, that we would very much look to extend that. I'm not sure whether that's still the case or not. Um, obviously, we've got Nimley as well, who was unfortunately injured, but I think he's here for the rest of the season in any case. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just really, Jerry's quite rightly reiterating the things that we, we were saying. And um, the point of whether Joel Ward would get back into the side with Jazz Richards there. I'll very, very quickly get your opinion on that, Barney. Um Jazz, Jazz Richards or Joel Ward? Um, it's a hard one. Um, I, I would personally go for Richards. I think you know he, he just had something about him on Friday night. Going forward was was fantastic. Um, you know he was one of the players. I actually I, I think he was a bit. I don't know what it was. First fifteen, ten, fifteen minutes, he didn't quite hold the ball quite well, but he had some good vision. Um, going forward which I think is really important you know in games like this when perhaps we are a bit on the back foot it's it's actually how do we get out of this and I think out of everybody he was he was actually someone who was looking to push forward so I think he's a I think he's I think he's an impressive lad actually. That's interesting um Alex has said that he he would go for Ward every day a much better defender and as good going forward Alex do you believe that? Mm -hmm. Yeah I true I I think so definitely I don't you know, as, as crazy it seems that Ashley Richards is a defender, but doesn't seem to defend too well most of the time. But um, as, yeah, as Jerry observed, he was at fault for for the goal with a, with a quite a poor clearance. Um, but then again, that's kind of both the goals were from opportunities to clear from a variety yeah. of people who failed to failed to do so, which was disappointing. Uh, John, you made another another observation of uh, yeah, Jesuit. I saw watching watching that game that. Towards us, well, in the second half especially, Richards and uh, and Zahar worked really well going down that right hand side, and at one point all the play was going down that right hand side, and you couldn't contain the two of them. They were both running into space for each other. They seemed to have the sort of an understanding between them of who needed to be where and when, mm. and um, that you know, I mean, not to say that Joe Ward's not better going forward or a better defender, but it's about how they fit in with the team as it is now. And I think that kind of chemistry between two players who've only been together, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, is um, is, is exciting for us as a, as a spectator. Okay, uh, very quickly before we move on, Mark, you've got one last thing to say. Yeah, just on Jazz Richards, I think uh, what made his uh, performance against Watford quite impressive was that uh, there was a complete change of tactics in the second half when um, we to prevent the forward to a Watford. Vidra and uh, Dini, um, they they brought Richards in. They tucked him in almost as a sweeper, and and then there was very little space for Watford in the centre of the park. And obviously the game became very narrow. But when we broke and went forward, we used our wide players, and he linked up well. And 
obviously the goal came from him linking up with Wilf. But I think what happened was they offered nothing. Once we once we cemented our place in the centre of the park, admittedly we'd already conceded twice then, but in the second mm. half, um, we used our great wide players um, to to you know our advantage. And I think you know those changing tactics of of, of bringing Richards in and and sort of cementing the central midfield pairing. Uh, kind of um, dragged Watford into the middle a bit, and then that gave the space down the flanks. And I think it was a, it was a t- bit it was tactically it was a brilliant yeah brilliant work. Yeah, by, I mean it's, it's a fair uh, observation, Mark. Obviously, we, we talk, probably talk a bit more about it when we, when we go go into a bit more detail about Watford in any minute now. Obviously, we've done quite a lot of it. Just trying to pick up on a couple of tweets. I did notice a lot of people saying um, Ward um, in general. Uh, Alex, have you got anything else for us on Twitter there? Yeah, Tony Morlard says he uh, he agrees with what we've been saying, apart from the one mistake made on Friday by Ashley Richards, but he thinks you should keep him in. Mm. Yeah, could agree more. There you go. Well, there you go. Uh, final word from it, on it from, from Barney there. And I think your observation in our little off-air chat thing there of, him, of the fact that it depends whether you want to defend or attack. And I think Richards is very much in the is an Ian Holloway's type of fullback. And I think we're going to talk about Johnny Parr in a bit, but I think you'll find that's why Parr has found him found himself forced out for Moxie because I think that's got a lot to uh, a lot to do with with how Moxie is going forward as compared from on the left side uh, as as opposed to Par. So anyway, interesting stuff. But um, obviously we've got to try and move things on. Uh, one thing we do have to talk about was um, that, obviously you remember from previous weeks that um, there was a charity game. Um, <sighs> it's really difficult to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> We played. Uh, brag, but... <laughs> oh dear. We um, we played five year plan. Our, our wonderful podcasters and uh, great website as well. Uh, we played them at. Um, I think it ended up as being eight aside on the seven aside pitch. Um, I mean, it was in aid of the Jeff Thomas Foundation, and we've raised. I mean, Mike has written five hundred and ninety quid. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's with uh, gift aid or not, but um, that's. I think that obviously that's the very least we've we've actually. Um, raised i think he's going to tell me hold on a second with gift aid so 590 quid i think there might still be a bit more to come on that which is why we haven't yet done the draw for the shirt but basically one person who's donated at random will win um a signed shirt from the hillsborough survival season squad game thing <laughs> that's brilliantly explained as always but basically yeah if you go to um holradio.net forward slash charity you can still donate um Probably, well, I'm going to say by by the show next on the show next week we will announce a winner. So you've got basically seven days. Holradio.net forward slash charity, and one of you lucky people will win that shirt. Um, I can also say before we talk any in any more detail about this game, um, a big thanks to Rob Askew who took some fantastic photographs of the occasion, uh, an occasion that in many ways I'd like to forget. Um, I'm gonna get my excuses in, in quickly. I um, yeah, my excuses in quickly. I had uh, both a, a calf tear and I played um, <laughs> two two hours of football that day with a broken metatarsal. So I just thought I'd mention that now. So the game ended nine nil to five year plan <laughs> <laughs> uh, after being one nil at half time. Um, the superior fitness and skills on show from five year plan were. Was something to behold, but as I think I've said in my post-match interview, which is on Five Year Plans web- website, there's a few videos there and an absolutely brutal write-up of their de- demolition of us. Um, it, I think I said we've got them right where we, where we want them to win four-three now. We're just trying to emulate that FA Cup thing 
but um oh i don't know i um i think it was a good a good occasion wasn't it john it was it was an occasion it was uh you know i i really feel the weather really detracted from what was going to be a, a magnificent display of mm. skill and tactics from us i mean it, it did start snowing heavily yeah, yeah, right. heavily at the start of the yeah. game, and uh, persisted for most of the first half, which wasn't yeah. wasn't ideal. Um, yeah, that I think for me personally, the uh, the fact that I'm massively unfit and fat didn't help, but and no. I have no no real footballing <laughs> skill. Um, you yeah, know, from I, a career of playing I, rugby. Uh, <laughs> I want to make the point? Um, obviously. We, we, everyone who turned up and played for us, including Barney, who we met for the first time in person, um, was a presenter. Has been a presenter on Homestay Radio. Every single person. I felt that maybe James had selected some people that he just kind of knew. Browit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, listen, it was a fantastic occasion. I'm not bitter. I might sound bitter, and I might act bitter, and I might seem that I am bitter completely. I'm not bitter in any way. But uh, Barney, very quickly, it was your first experience of doing anything with Homestay Radio. Uh, have you, did you regret it? Oh, I did on um, I did on Friday morning, and then kind of coming through today a little bit. I did feel like my legs had turned to uh, two blocks of wood. I was in serious pain, um, but uh, a great evening altogether, anyway. And um, I slightly, possibly, um, overestimated my over overestimated my footballing skills, perhaps to my to myself. Um, said that I would play defence and realised that majority of the match I was actually at the, t- the other end of the pitch, um, so not defending, so it's pretty good that we only went in 1-0 down at half-time. Um, and I just, you know, I just had this vision that I was going to be sort of, you know, Zaha or Balassi in the centre in the second half, and again, it just didn't quite pay off, so yeah. um, I don't really know what happened there, to be honest with you. I have been writing out a list of excuses for my injury <laughs> list, but... Um, but it's too long, actually, so I, I think we yeah. probably take up the rest of the airtime. So I, I won't go into it now, but um, I'm sure I can pro- pub- probably publish a full report somewhere. Just noticed a tweet coming <laughs> from... Uh... <laughs> Just noticed a tweet coming from Dave Caddick, who was next to me at the Watford game. He says, me bouncing off your feet Friday night can't have been pleasant. Sorry. <laughs> You're absolutely right, mate. Although James landed on my toe more than you did, so... Um... Ah, fun times. Um, special mention, as John has just mentioned in chat, for our keeper, Aaron Mitchell. It is no word of a lie to say without Aaron, it really genuinely could have been sort of 20 or 30 goals scored by a five-year plan. Um, as a result, we will be uh, training until we play again, and that won't be, hopefully be, won't be too long. We all want to do it again. Uh, again, we'll try and raise money for charity and, and try and get a few more listeners down. There were a couple of, couple of people who came down. Special mention to Graham who came down to see us and very generous with his donation as well and uh, got absolutely soaked he was down there for about two hours and just just to support us and it was really can nice we really... Some, can we get some guest presenters like you know some maybe some really good footballing guest presenters? well i'm gutted we didn't ask simon osborne when it was on last week because you know he still plays he's good so um yeah that would have been a, that'd have been a good i think shipley would have been more in keeping with our <laughs> yes yes i thought we did have shipley in front when i saw you mate um <laughs> Mark, final word for you. Uh, obviously, Alex didn't play um, because he had something better to do. So, Mark, you did play. You were booked for simulation, as we're about to hear in a little clip uh, before we go on. Um, so, I mean, generally, how do you think it went? I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was good. It was a good turnout. It was a shite night weather-wise, and uh, it was cold, wet, snowy. I think it was everything that you... You don't want to play football in, but um, it was good fun for a good course, of course. And um, 
Yeah, I'd like to do it again. It was a good experience. I think, uh, as you said, or you alluded to earlier, I think it was all a, about fitness, really. And uh, as, I say, as you said, it was only 1-0 at half-time, but uh, um, we really suffered in the second half. Yeah, there were some absolutely stunning goals. Um, but anyway, just a little snippet of what, uh, how we felt after the game. Just got a little audio clip for you now. And when we come back, we'll talk about Watford. We're seeing it. We're in the bar. It's it's after it's after the match. The match finished nine nil to one of the teams. No one's really sure who. The real winner was the Jeff Thomas Foundation. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm here with referee Terence Ford, who I've not spoken to today. Um, Terence, Terence, there was a controversy in that game. Uh, Jamie Green saw yeah. red. I mean, I've watched it back and I realise now that I've made a massive error in judgement. <laughs> And that it it's, not what you said. it's not what you said before. <laughs> it's completely, definitely, completely the opposite of what you said when we did. Well, when if I you tried didn't to recall be... before, I've had, I've had a long, long enough period now mm. to think about my mistakes, and mm. I can only apologise to Greeno CPFC on Twitter and say I'm sorry for the decision. I will be going to the FA and saying it was wrong. Do you fear perhaps some reprisals? Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be refing under eight girls football for the next month. Well, uh, that, that was the plan all along, wasn't it? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, again, I want to... Let's just go on different to how we thought. I kind of prefer it. It's, it's better this time. We've done well. Uh, but I do want to talk to you uh, a second time, but a first time recording, about the games moment where young Mr. Mark Ross, the wizard on the wing, Mark Ross, um, was going down rather easy. Uh, often under attention from Mr. Green, yes. but uh, but early on he was booked for simulation. Do you want to take us through that? Yeah, Sorry, well, Nick, he was booked for simulation. Simulation, <laughs> simulation of a footballer. Nick, Nick just swore at me. Simulation of a footballer. Albert actually made that joke first to, to say to make to make the point. But anyway, uh, sorry. Well, Jamie was getting tight behind Mark. Mm. Too tight. A few, <laughs> too, too tight. Some may say. Mm. And I saw Mark look, saw that Jamie was coming, and then just collapsed underneath him, <laughs> fell away. And uh, I've I played with him at Football Aid, that Mark Ross. Mm. I know what he's like, I know his game. I knew he was going to look to dive. And I got to use, use my knowledge from that game of Football Aid and get out my yellow card out of my pocket that I worked so hard on making earlier. I, have to say, I, genuinely, I genuinely offered to buy Mark some AstroTurf trainers after the game. Only to find he was wearing AstroTurf trainers. Yes. Mark's excuse. Well, in fact, I'm going to get Mark's excuse. M Mr. Mark Ross, can I bring you in, please? Um, book for simulation. First of all, how did you feel? Was that unfair, or did you feel that maybe you did anticipate a challenge? Well, I just heard the crowd shout, "He fell over! He fell over!" <laughs> which was uh, how I, I saw it myself. Yeah. Mm. Now, do you feel that perhaps there's some issue with your legs and your brain communicating? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the 
beer's actually finished me off. Yeah. I think age age has got anything to do with it? I mean, you're um, you're half the age of Kevin Phillips, but. <laughs> and twice the player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to talk to you anymore. And uh, get some more input from some of the other guys. Uh, have a little wonder. Um, Barney, Barney played for us today. It was, um, despite making his whole radio debut only a matter of days ago. He's come and he's met all the lads and, you know, it's an experience today, wasn't it, Barney? It certainly was, it certainly was, and, you know, some great play out there, mainly from myself. Um, but, um, you know, the team didn't do, do too badly either, really. I mean, if you could say where the game was won or lost by whichever team won or lost it, um, where would you say it was? Would you say it was in the fitness levels? Say that question again. <laughs> um, let, me, let me rephrase it. Do you feel perhaps one of the teams had an advantage uh, with regards to perhaps physique and uh, general fitness? No, not at all. I think we had nine really quite bad decisions go against us and yeah. quite unlucky, really. Yeah, I don't think even any of them were goals. But talking of goals... Well, we faded that out because it's way too long. <laughs> but um, you missed some wonderful comments from Albert and Nick. But um, you never know, they might turn up on a podcast or something at some point. Um, very, very quickly, we talked about quite a lot of the things we wanted to discuss about Watford. Um, obviously, in terms of a lineup, um, pretty much as you would expect uh, with Jednak out, Marrow came in for him. And then obviously, we had KG come, come back into the side. But the defence, um, we continued with Moxie at left back instead of par. Delaney and Ramages sent the backs and the Jazz Richards we talked about a lot already right back uh, Balassi started Zaha on the wing uh, Dobby in behind Murray um, so yeah interesting start <laughs> in that we got absolutely massacred for 25 minutes and it looked like it could be a really really tough day for the travelling fans uh, we'll talk about the fans in a little bit because there's some it was it was one of the best way atmospheres ever but it was also something that turned it a little sour but um, first of all, I want to talk to Mark, because Mark had a point to make about the lineups that we saw and what the difference was between them from when we played earlier in the season. Well, thank you, Chris. Yeah, I did a little bit of research this what? afternoon. You know, you know that thing, research? Never heard of it, mate. <laughs> uh, not, not familiar with it, no. Well, actually, I was looking at the uh, two teams, uh, Palace teams, the one that played on the opening day of the season when we lost 3-2 to the Hornets and of course the one on Friday night and uh, interestingly enough uh, I only found five of the team that started against Watford in August were involved against Watford on Friday night and they were uh, Speroni, Ramage, Moxie, KG and Zaha and only Lewis Price and Stuart O'Keefe and Wilbraham were in that squad on that day too. Uh, so in summary, only eight of the 18 matchday squad from the opening day was selected on Friday night so I don't know how anybody feels about um whether it's the new signings whether that's injuries whether it's you know the change of management it's an interesting observation i think i wouldn't i wouldn't have picked that out i mean obviously a lot's changed we've changed managers for a start but i think it goes to show just how much has changed for for us since since we started the season um some of that change was forced wasn't it well i mean obviously Garvin started on the opening day. <clears throat> He's obviously out injured. Wilbraham was the lone centre forward uh, on the opening day. And, of course, we had Aaron Martin in from Southampton. Uh, Johnny passed out that day. Joel Ward started that day. Obviously, Joel Ward is still out injured. And, funnily enough, the bench was made up basically of academy players, really. Uh, Sakaja, Pia, De Silva, Keith, Parsons were, were um, 
uh, five of the seven on the bench, Price and Wright being the others. It's 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 odd, isn't it? I mean, that that opening game of the season, it was it was kind of almost the opposite. Had we actually nicked a winner as we deserve to do um, on Friday night, it, it would have been the, the polar opposite game where, and obviously, we went two 0 up against Watford. I, I seem to recall. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm pretty sure we did. And I think we thought everything was going to be amazing for the rest of the season. And uh, we lost it in the last minute, I think. And, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very odd. But I, I don't... I don't but really it's progress, it. It just, though, isn't it? I think, well, think? It, it is progress. But it also, it's it's kind of amazing for us as a club to see quite so much change. And like I say, it doesn't feel like we've changed that much. It doesn't, like... But, I mean, obviously... I you we haven't had stop. so many injuries there mm. to in key areas like central midfield and um i think was was murray suspended for the very first game of the season or something i, can't oh, I think remember. he was injured at the start injured, of the season yeah. wasn't he yeah yeah was he injured, um, well, yeah. so uh, look, anyway i yeah, just so, thought i'd fill you in with that <clears throat> interesting very interesting stuff i want to move us quickly on to talk about kevin phillips also we talked about the impact he's made on the pitch um in the sky interview afterwards um they asked him if it was still his plans to retire, and he revealed that Ian Holloway had already asked him to stay at Palace another year. Uh, is that a no-brainer, John? Well, if he continues to play the way he is, then yes. I mean, he looks looks fit as a flea, to be honest. And um, clearly, there's no issue with him scoring goals or having a good impact on the team. And um, they always say, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Well, I think in this case, if you're good enough, you're young enough. So, um, absolutely, it's, it's the right. right choice. I, th- I think he's a really good professional to have around the place a one that, uh, that young strikers can learn an awful lot from and it sounds to me like you know he wants to go into coaching so maybe Palace could offer him that way in and um, you know the, you could, yeah he could have a really good influence on our club long term if we do if we do give him that extra year and we go up could he do have a similar impact in the premiership do you feel yeah I don't think it would change I think the only thing is with him is he's, he, he can't play 90 minutes I think he's still got premiership class he's he's just good around the box he's just one of those players who just has as like, like williams a football brain and <clears throat> will instinctively know where he needs to be at the right time mm. so actually having that good of football knowledge he um he doesn't need the pace to be able to make it there okay nice one john um okay i want to ask you this barney you you saw it um luckily enough you saw it on tv because those of us that were there were sort of a little bit distracted by <laughs> by jumping around like lunatics um I want to, I want to ask how how good are, are Watford? They've obviously had a ma- fantastic run of form. They've got some incredible players there for reasons that Ian Holloway uh, spoke about, and I think we'll probably speak about it as we end this Watford review. Um, but what what are their promotion chances like? Do you think they're real contenders? Well, yeah, I think you, you've got to make the point first of all. Is it Watford? You know, it just seems to be you know um this kind of networking system that i i've never come across before between you know Udinese and and, and granada and it's 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 really bizarre what was it nine of the starting 11 in watford's team were pulled from these other clubs and you know the fact is is that a lot of them are actually possibly verging on that that sort of premier league standard mm. but you know they're in the championship we're seeing it now um, they're a great team going forward, but their back four is, I don't think is great. I don't think Almunia's quite got the, I don't think Almunia's ever had a, a particularly stable career wherever he's been. He's always been uh, never 100%. And I think, 
you know where we possibly did go wrong and I, I i won't talk too much about our, us but mm. we probably didn't force him to make the errors as much as we could have done perhaps back to watford they're a great team going forward and i think they're going to be definitely up there at the end of the season um and actually it was a great game of football you know just from a, yeah. a neutral's point of view it was fantastic second half it was attackive um and you know, Watford really did contribute towards that, but they, they lost it in the second half. They fell apart. And to be mm. fair, at the end of the first half, they were getting battered. Um, and they just, and they, they played, I, I don't know really know how to summarize it. They, I guess individually, they're very talented, but I don't know as a team, they can see out games. Mm. Is that- they said, yeah, I know what you mean. They did, they, they didn't deal with pressure, did they? Once, no, once we got the ball down and once we sort of shifted things a little bit. I think, I mean, it's, what was interesting, I thought, was they kind of almost had a... It was almost like a back three with the way they played and they had all, like almost wing-backs, that system that yeah. sort of was popular in the... Was it probably late 90s? I don't know if you remember yeah. those. But, well, like, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it was almost, but, but we forced it into a back five by the end and, and they couldn't deal with the movement in between the midfield and, and the five who were pinned back. And I, yeah. I think we looked... That's why we... we we forced them back and they, they struggled to actually string passes together. Uh, but on the subject of, of how they pit their team from Udinese players and all that sort of stuff, um, th- we but asked the question earlier. Um, we didn't get to talk about it, so we'll talk about it now very quickly and get your opinion. Um, Robert basically asked us, do we, um, do we think there should be a rule change for next season? And if I can specifically say that in Holloway pointed out that, that as an English team loaning off an English team can loan a maximum of two players off of one team. That was his. That he says that is a rule. So why isn't the same from uh, for foreign loans? Do you think that's a rule that should change, Barney? Well, I think you know we 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 can, and I, I, I'm kind of fifty percent of what Holloway kind of was saying at the beginning of the match because I think, hang on a minute, if we were in their position, would we be complaining? And, and I think that's an honest question we have to ask ourselves: Would we be complaining if we were in that position? It's a funny one. Like I said, I don't think it's anything we've ever kind of seen before, and I I, I don't, it's not. I don't really see it as loaning. And I was talking to a, uh, a couple of a, a couple of Palace fans on Friday night about it, and I was watching it with a Watford fan as well. And and it it is more like networking. It's it's kind of like right, we've got these clubs, and we're going to kind of just put our players out. And what Watford want to do, like we want to do, is we want to get to the Premier League, and you know, and they're going to do anything they can within the legalities and technicalities of the game to do that. As Palace fans, do we think it's right? No, but actually. I don't think it made a huge effect. I think if we'd been drubbed 5-0 and, you know, they're seen as being a, a hugely greater team, I don't think we'd have a, I think then we'd have a problem with it because there'd be a clear kind of infringement of, of the standard and, you know, they're clearly getting an advantage. Mm. But I don't think they were, in all honesty. And I think as a negative, like I said, they weren't working as a team like we were. And if, if, if Watford had gone 2-0 down within the first 15 minutes... I don't think they would have come back because I don't think they would have had that team spirit. Doyley was possibly the only player I thought in that Watford squad that was actually had a bit of grit to him and was trying to, um, trying to actually, you know, force, force, force the ball kind of going forward. Um, is it right? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know if it's going to be changed. It probably should do, but you know what? I, th- I think, I think the bigger picture is, is that, you know, it's, 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 it didn't actually make a blind bit of difference. Mm. I, I, I think it does though like I mean if, you, if you're looking at it with the new financial fair play rules and things that are coming in you know that I mean they, they were saying on the commentary that you know this Matej Vidra was bought for like three and a half million 
Mm. You know, well, Watford wouldn't wouldn't be able to pay three and a half million. No, they, they 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 wouldn't. And what's the difference between a player coming in from a club in France or a club in Italy, you know, to a, a club in England? You know, why doesn't it then accumulate? It doesn't count towards the number of loans they've got in their matchday squad. Why? Why does it, you know, and as, as a Palace fan, if personally, if I had that many loans, I would be furious because, you know, we've got an academy and I'd say, you know, I'd rather see some of our players out there than this mm. many loans. I've got that issue with our current squad anyway. But would um, you like to see us in the Premier League? Of, of course I would, but the right way. Right, it's, okay. It's a tough question, isn't it? I mean, I know there, we're not going to get to an absolute... 100% right answer we're not obviously not all going to agree on agree on it I think John you touched on a point that concerns me and I know Alex has made the point um, off air as well that what does it mean for the youth system obviously Ian Holloway's brief with us is is to try and get a philosophy throughout the club and, and to bring that youth through as we've sort of famously been doing um, I'd, we have got an awful lot of lone players ourselves, and potentially we could have more so I mean are we are we doing the same thing effectively, but just collect it from a series of other clubs rather than just a single club? I mean, does it really make that much of a difference? Are we that different? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And you're always gonna you're always gonna look at someone like in Watford's situation and see that they're effectively, as you as you observe, John playing players that they couldn't have got in any in any other way, you know. And when financial fair play comes in, I'm wondering if there's a loophole there because obviously. They would be able to pay their wages, mm. but their wages are being covered by the parent club, and mm. you know it's effectively effectively Watford becoming Udinese reserves or Granada reserves and that sort of stuff. And yeah, do Watford then become the dominant team if they get success and Udinese drop down? It's a strange one. It really is. And but is it, it also undermining our right. league? As, yeah, as I a think whole, it is, is under, yeah. undermining league, and you know saying. You know, oh, we'll, we'll just chuck them in there because you know we can use these these English clubs to give our players some game time and yeah. develop them for you know for a foreign club. That's that's, that's not what the whole it's point of this is. It is. It is. And, and, and as a fan, an... I say I'll be livid about it long term. Yeah, but... I've got to look at it. It's wrong. Can I just make a point? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, look. I think in the championship we should be all right. I, I I possibly agree with you that we need to limit it. But what I don't want to see is is you know, going back to the days of, you know, when Jordan was in charge and we're trying to buy in these players and actually, you know, learning systems are great for, for, for clubs in the championships because it means they can take these players on a short term basis and possibly get their teams to a, a higher level. And you know what, if they don't make the, you know, if they don't make, um, the grade when it comes down to the end of the season we're not landed with all these massive wage bills and, and, and huge contracts and, you know, we need to. I think we need to encourage a loan system, and it gets young players playing as well. And you know, in response to you know, does it affect our academies? Well, that's up to the clubs. You know, that's up to the clubs. Um, you know, to to be able to do that in a sensible way. But you know, English players, um, you know, now come at a premium. We can, you know, we can argue to the, the cows come home about that, but that's 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 just the facts. They do, um, and. and it's a huge yeah. subject, it's a huge subject, and we're starting mm. to get into some interesting areas that we could probably talk for three or four hours about at least. Um, certainly, the the system, I mean, we, we've got an emergency loan at our club. I think it's got, sorry, Stephen Dobby's as an emergency loan, technically. I don't know what the emergency was other than us wanting to emergency to get to the premiership. But um, very last point you wanted to make, John, in response to Barney, then we'll move it on. Well, just looking at it the other way, what I would 
ask is, you know, if 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 it's okay to have all these lone players, then should we relax the 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 laws about loaning from other English clubs? You know, if if we if we're going to look look at it down this route, then why should we prejudice against English clubs? Exactly. You know, you know I, I, I mean, personally, I it think, has to be one rule. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, think, I, I think I think, that, I think that's the issue: is that there is a divide in the two rules, mm. and this needs to be reconciled over the summer, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a that's a fair observation. Like I say, I think the actual detail of it, we could probably argue about. I'm pretty sure we've all got differing opinions on it. Um, you know, I, I would struggle if, if we did e- if they did even it, and you had uh, many English loans from one club, then certainly you just see what. Effectively, they have that in the Spanish league, though, don't they? Because you have your, you've got your Barcelona B and Real B, don't you? Yeah, so it's it's all very. They can, they can never get to the you know La Liga. Yeah, but... and you don't. That's not what the game in this country is about, is it? The game in this country is about the even almost seemingly impossible dream that the tiniest club can get to the very top, and that's kind of how it works. But I don't know. We'll see. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot more. I think the last, just to say, just a quick point. I think, I think that the good thing for Palace fans is, is I think we've possibly been down that road before, and I don't think we're going to go there again. I think we're one of the lucky clubs in the league that's got an absolutely fantastic youth academy, um, and, and so I don't think we're going to go down that road at all. No. Okay. Uh, last little point on Watford, really. It, um, before I talk very quickly about the the crowd. Uh, Johnny Parr. I'm going to talk to Mark about this. He's been quiet for a bit. Um, very, very quickly, what's your opinion on why uh, Johnny Parr has been dropped for Dean Moxie, effectively? Although, to be honest, Johnny Parr's dropped out at right back and Richards has come in. But basically, straight choice between Parr and Moxie at left back. Who would you choose and why And why is Ian Holloway choosing Moxie? Uh, well, I didn't. I never got the impression that uh, Ian Holloway was much of a fan of Dean Moxie when he came to the club. But obviously, things have changed. Um Pa was obviously filling in at uh, right back. Um, he's not obviously that comfortable there, um, but you know he was the best of a bad bunch in that situation. I do think he's a better left back than Moxie in terms of um, getting forward. He's probably not quite as good defensively, and I suppose if you're saying, well, who's the better fullback, then you want the better defender as the fullback. But I just think. Um, uh, he gives you a little bit more variety and a few more options. A bit, I think Moxie's a bit one-dimensional. Uh, I can't fault his uh, effort and um, and you know his passion. Uh, Dean Moxie is a hundred hundred percent. I just think Parr's a better footballer. Whether that fits into Holloway's plans or not, I don't know. Maybe he he's just seeing giving Moxie a couple of games at left back to see whether he's worthy of a place or. You know, maybe just giving Par rest. I, I don't really know, but I I prefer Par because he's more attacking, more adventurous, and I think that we need some o- overlapping wingers really. And I think with um, Richards and Par on each flank, I think they can help um, us out in that area. <clears throat> okay, mate, well, interesting boy. I'd, yeah, I'm, I must admit, I was surprised to see uh, see Johnny Par being the one missing out, but. I mean, you've got to trust the manager to, to know what's best, really. But um, there we go. So, yeah, player of the year last year. It's a strange one. I wouldn't say he's been as good as uh, he was last season, this season. Um, but we'll see. I, I think it's obviously it's a squad game over the course of a season. And I think we'll see him back in the side soon enough, um, you know, either through injury, suspension or, or possibly form. You never know. Um, OK, listen, we'll have, to, we'll have to wrap up Watford there. We've got a lot of other communication and various other bits and pieces we probably didn't get to. Sorry we didn't get to your point, uh, but thank you for contacting us, and we did read everything, just trying to fit it all in is impossible. Um, last little point, um, those of you listening at home and the, or those of you that were at the game will know 
that the atmosphere was absolutely sensational at Watford. Um, I was um, basically because of the fact it was a sold out away and it's very difficult to actually get to anything resembling where you're supposed to be. So uh, basically I ended up in a position similar to yourself, Mark. We're pretty much right by the HF and got to experience all of the uh, the pyrotechnics and what have you. It was fantastic. Great atmosphere, brilliant jumping around like a lunatical game. An absolutely whale of a time. I was really distressed to find out afterwards that, um, well, it was Ben and his dad. Um, it was, ben was, Ben's been on the show, so... Uh, as, as a presenter, where we did the listener takeover, and um, he got got a seat in the back of the head. Now I believe it was um, sort of down and to the left from where we were. With you know, so obviously there's no question. People always seem to accuse the HF of it. There's no question it was them at all. But um, but yeah, basically the the that's you know a couple of people got seats in the back of the head and had to get hospital treatment and what have you. And you just think, what the hell? You know what what are you do? What are you what kind of person? would throw a seat into their own fans. It just, a massive moron, young. Chris. Yeah, it. yeah. It's, I don't know, mate. It's just, I'd find it absolutely unbelievable, you know, to, to have that mentality. And, I mean, someone um, it, it's, someone actually sort of made the point that in, in, like in, in a normal human being, right, there's something in your brain that will stop you doing stuff that could kill someone, right? So to actually do that, you're either a psycho or you're on, you know, on drugs or something. It's like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, I was genuinely shocked because, it, it, to me, it was one of the best away atmospheres I've, I've ever experienced as a Palace fan. And to come away from it like that, you know, obviously, if anyone did see it, I mean, I know people go, you can't grasp and all this sort of stuff. But seriously, if anyone did see you did it, don't hesitate for a second. Because it's genuine Palace fans. Like, And people, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say that a kid could have got hit by that seat and died. It really is not an exaggeration. It's not like an Alex Ferguson exaggeration of Robin Van Persie being killed by a football, is it? It's, you know, it's a, it's a seat in the back of the head, and you've seen the damage it's done to. to I was about to call Ben an adult there. He wouldn't. Uh, that's not really very fair, is it? But uh, his dad's an adult, and the damage it's done to an adult's head. It's. I mean, I don't know. Unbelievable, really. Really, genuinely unbelievable. Uh, but obviously, we wanted we wanted to address it. We were asked Ross Phillips asked about it and what we thought. Um, so sadly, didn't see it at the time. Um, but I just hope that that kind of mentality just gets the hell out of our club because it's got no place in any football club and it's got no place in society. You it's just... doing us a disservice as the club, Chris. That's well, yeah, the other exactly. oh, yeah, way yeah. we've got to look at it is you know what we're going to get branded by things like that. You know, with all these football intelligence, yeah. so intelligence things yeah. that go on, and we will get branded as a supporter like that as a oh we, we already are because we of these morons so we you know as as a, as a supporter base we need to make sure we root out these people and mm. that's why they, i've got no issue with grassing someone up if i see them do something as stupid as that i mean it was dangerous like you say so and they're, they're not they're not the kind of palace fans that our yeah. club's all about i did notice on the on the bbs the sort of the argument got kind of intertwined with an argument about smoke bombs and stuff like that I'm also, everyone's got their own opinions and what have you i don't really care about the sort of the smoke bombs thing I, to me they're they're completely harmless I, I can understand that people's observation that they're illegal and that they bring an attention on the club and what have you i think that's wrong but unfortunately i I know I've seen people being get given custodial sentences for it which is absolutely mm. ridiculous and i mean that that in itself is a it's a difficult debate because, like I say, I don't see that it's wrong, but I can see the argument from someone's side that, that it will bring unwanted attention on people, particularly people who don't want that attention. So that's a tough one, but I think it's a completely separate issue from, from you know, idiots ripping seats out. And, and look, I mean, Charlton did it to our ground 
you know, last week, and we, you know, we obviously quite rightly took the mick out of them for being so pathetic as to rip out our seats. Then we got to go and, you know, then our supporters can't do the same thing. We're no better than Charlton fans, well, and there could be no. Well, no, we were. So we throw it at our own fans, yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a milk thing, really. I, I, I don't know, mate. I really don't get the mentality. It's, it's just disgusting, really. But what can you say? You can't. Uh, other than you know, let's yeah, exactly. Let's not let it ruin what was a fantastic day out for for the most people, and it's just mm. it's a shame it ended badly for some. But you know, say so I, I say I've got no problem saying it. if I'd seen the person doing it, I'd quite happily grass them because Absolutely. I don't think I don't think for one second you can excuse that. Um, you know, and there is a there's an argument to say that you know fans can be self policing, but I haven't really seen any of that so far. No one seems to have seen it in a crowd of three thousand people. Everyone a few people say they saw the seats come over and more they saw them ahead, but you know, there'd have been there'd have been a whole load of people around the people who did it. Someone out there knows who did it and they should really oh, of well, course they do. Of course you know, they do. It needs it needs dealing with, it really does. And it's not just because of our reputation. It's because people could have got genuinely hurt and that is that is unacceptable. I don't want to leave leave that on a leave no. us on a sour note, of course. But um, that's just the thoughts. We wanted to talk about it and make reference to it, and we have uh, very very quickly. We're going to have a quick look ahead to Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough are rubbish, effectively this year, aren't they, Mark? <laughs> I wouldn't quite go as far as that, but they've been rubbish in the recent weeks. That's for yeah, sure. zero yeah, points since twenty thirteen. Hmm. Yeah, that is pretty rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't get much more rubbish. Um, yeah, I did it. Well, yeah, I've got quite a lot of uh, info, but uh, I won't uh, bore pants off you too much. But, um, yeah, as you say, they are in shite form at the moment. Uh, their top scorers, I think he was missing anyway, is Scott McDonald with 11 goals. Lukas Jukovic has got 10 goals. Ishmael Miller, 7 goals. Um, so they don't have any Glenn Murrays in their side. Uh Stats, Middlesbrough, obviously they're sixth in the league, we're fifth. Uh, they've 47 points, five behind us. Uh, they're away from this season, uh, played 15, won five, drawn one, lost nine. And uh, as we've been saying, currently Borough on a run of five straight defeats and uh, six in the last ten games. So their last win was on the 29th of December, 4-2 win at home to Blackpool, so... As you say, un, uh, nothing this year, current calendar year. Um, uh, let's see what else have we got here. Borough, they've also failed to score in five. They, they failed to score uh, in five of thirty games this season, and have kept six clean sheets in thirty. But Palace have a better record in both those areas: clean sheets and number of games. Uh, it's fourteen games since Borough were involved in a match that finished in a no-score draw. And 20 games since Borough involved in a match that ended in a score draw. Uh, and Borough, you know, haven't kept a clean sheet in the last five games. Um, and, of course, finally, we played Borough at home in our third game of the season, which resulted in our third consecutive defeat of the season back in late August. And following that fixture, Palace were rooted to the bottom of the table with no points from nine, while Borough was sixth with six points from a possible nine. So uh, those are the stats and the facts. Nice one. Mark, can I get your prediction, please? Uh, I think Palace will... I, don't think, I think it will still be another tight game, and I think uh, as long as we don't get off to a start like we did against uh, Watford, I think um, I think we'll win, and I think we'll win, I, I reckon, 2-1. Two, two, John? Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to Palace, I think. Our class, and hopefully... 
I said this after the Charlton game, but hopefully the second half against Watford will be a catalyst for something better. So, uh, yeah, I'll go 2-0 Palace. Barney? I think we'll smash them off the park. I think they've given up on the season a little bit now. I think they're concentrating <laughs> on the FA Cup. I think we'll I think we'll batter them. I think 3 or 4-0. Excellent stuff. Uh, Alex, your prediction and some list of predictions, please. Uh, I think a 1-0 tight game. Sorry. Sorry for being negative. Anyway... <laughs> Stuart Trathan and Steve Guyford both think we're going to win 3-1. Tony Moreland and Daniel Stone think we're going to win 2-1. Matthew Algar has gone for a 3-0. Joe Holyoke, our very own, has gone for a 4-0. And very ambitious Matthew Packham has gone for a 6-0. <laughs> Thanks for that, Pax. Um, okay, um, myself, I think we'll... Uh, I think when you look at the statistics of, of Middlesbrough... Um, not getting a point all season, uh, sorry, all year in twenty, no points in twenty thirteen. If you look at the fact they've not been involved in a score draw for twenty games, it's gonna be what two two in it probably. That is uh, <laughs> a Desmond nil nil or nil Des- nil or two Desmond. two in it. It's yeah, gonna be yeah, um, I think we like to end records either positively or negatively. That's kind of our thing. So I think that's what we're going to see. There'll be a, there'll be a, they'll probably get a, a point and a draw of some sort. So and their manager um, will be fired. Just want to go through. There, there were we we missed out the forward reviews of Watford. Just want to pick a couple out there. Really, um, John Ellicott's probably summed it up nicely with his game of two halves. Um, <laughs> James Sorby has put, "I would marry Phillips." Get, get, get in the queue, mate. I think we all would. Um, Dave Carr's got Williams's pure class, and uh, Nicholas Randall's board of first halves, which I quite like as well. Um, I think I'd put a forward review in, but it doesn't seem to be there uh, on the day. Something to do with my something toe hurts. I can't remember. Um, anyway, we got a fantastic email from David Cole earlier on. Um, he said, when he passed on his thoughts about Ian Holloway's reign so far, he said, we arrived on the day we beat Blackburn. The team played the best 90 minutes of sustained, elegant, exhilarating football I'd seen in the 40 years of attending Selhurst. The team that followed up with the demolition of Ipswich and we played only half as well. I wonder who was so excited about the prospect of managing Palace. Ian's been keen to stay. He only needs to tweak a few things and I make him right too. He puts, however, he's now settled into the role keeper, and I'm slightly mystified by what he's done. He keeps saying we're going to give it a right go, and proceeds to play one up front. Well, there was one up front in all those games. Anyway, uh, he says, we started horribly in many of the recent games, yet to come back strongly in most to pick up points. I think that saying that Phillips changed the game against Charlton and Watford is missing the point. Playing 4-4-2 is changing the game rather than the individual personnel. Ke- Kevin was outstanding, though. Uh, we have some terrific players, lots of pace and power. If Holloway really wants to go for it in the last 15 games, please play 4-4-2 instead of getting two goals in the second half. Uh, we can score two in the first as well. Watford, once we'd have sorted ourselves out, were totally outclassed for an hour. What the hell was going on for those first 30 minutes? Um, to address that, in, in my opinion, I'll get one of the other guys to give an opinion as well, um, since we're right at the end of the show. But I, personally, my observation is I don't agree with a couple of the things that you said. Um, I don't agree that we went 4-4-2. Um, when we've made the changes, I don't think Phillips has been up alongside Murray exactly. I think Phillips has been kind of floating around the forward. But I think once we've made those changes, it's it's nothing like an orthodox four four two. And the other point to make is when we beat Blackburn and when we beat Ipswich, um, we were playing one up front effectively. But our one up front is a three up front when when um, Zaha and Balassi are tucking in like they should it's, I think that people get really hung up on the numbers of formations and I think the game has Dougie Friedman actually said it and he was quite right I think the game has moved on from saying you're playing a 4-4-2 or you're playing a 4-3-3 or 5-4 it doesn't really kind of work like that anymore all the systems these days are much more fluid and whilst you have 
you know, your Glenn Murray figurehead up front. Glenn Murray was playing as a lone striker on his own. We'd have seen him probably with the same goal return of his first season. You know, he gets a lot more support now. And a lot of that does come from midfield. And in particular, in our best run, it came from KG. Um, but anyway, um, any other thoughts on that? Disagreeing with me or David? I'm going to ask, hmm, who's speak, spoken the least? <sighs> John? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, I'd say the other thing to look at is not that we... I'd say, say we certainly haven't played a 4-4-2. If anything, we played three, maybe sometimes two at the back, and we've just shoved on every attacking player we've had, which seems to be yeah. always Holloway's yeah. mantra, which, for me, I think is brilliant to watch as a spectator. Mm. I'd love to see us give it a go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's what I've been looking at recently, sort of what's changed. I don't think a lot's changed. I think we've just got to the stage of the season where injuries and suspensions come about, and uh, we're muddling through it the best we can. And, you know, to be where we are at this stage in the season, given all those injuries and suspensions and a KG off to African Cup of Nations, I think I'm pretty pleased where we are, to be honest. That's fair. Uh, just before I let you go, I'm just very much observing the Ward versus Richards debate. Um, on Facebook, it very much seems to be in favour of Ward. George Mann went for Richards, um, but Paddy Mulligan, Duncan Smith, um, Max Matthews, Darren Humphreys and Paul Martin all going for Ward. So it looks like and Ward's Joel winning. Ward. And Joel Ward's gone for Ward as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much he's he's the one in favour. It's an interesting one. Well, well, um, you know, obviously he's on the way back to fitness. I think Darcy Blake's fit as well. Now, so we, some interesting battle positions coming on. <laughs> that's an no, interesting that's turn of phrase you used there, Chris. What did, what did I say? You said that Darcy Blake was fit. I think that's half the issue. Is that he kind of isn't physically fit yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, we'll see if he uh, gets back in. He, as well. We can invite him to Team Hole Radio. Yeah, he'd have fitted in nicely, wouldn't he? Again, you've used that word. I love that. Uh, or fitter fans on a Thursday night or whatever it is. Mm. <laughs> it is. It's great stuff. You should go when you're old enough. <laughs> when you're old, old and fat and out of shape like me, mate. Never. Anyway, I'll never get to that stage. Yeah, you keep saying it, mate. You won't, won't, won't live that long. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a lovely end to the show, isn't it? Talking about mortality and things <laughs> <laughs> the wider I mean, debate on whole radio Chris that's it well we don't we don't like just to stick to the football we like to talk about all subjects um, anyway listen uh, thank you so much for listening to us today and uh, we will be back next week bye now all the latest news from around Selhurst Park this is News in Brief Reese Alassani scored the opening goal for England under 17s against Portugal in the Algarve tournament. Despite giving the team the lead after just five minutes, the young Lions went on to lose the tie 2 1. Palace forward Jason Banton continued his impressive loan spell at Plymouth Argar by scoring twice in the Pilgrims 2 1 victory over an order shot team featuring former Eagle Kieran Cadogan. Before his superb performance off the bench for Palace against Watford, Johnny Williams scored in Wales' under 21 3 0 friendly win over Iceland in the midweek. News in Brave. It's a massacre. It's a massacre. C- calm down. It's only a commercial. A commercial? What for? The St. Valentine's Day massacre. It's a party night being held at Sellers Park. A party night? Yes, there's a bar, a disco, and live entertainment throughout the evening. All for £15. That sounds great. When is it? It's on Friday the 15th of February. Ah, right after Valentine's Day. I get it. Who's it for? Palace supporters, you fool. Partners, family, all are welcome. 
I'm going, where can I buy tickets? You can buy them online from www.studycentercpfc.org.uk or you can send a cheque to Sellers Park marked for the attention of the CPFC Study Centre. So, no massacre then? No. No massacre. At least not until we batter Middlesbrough the following day. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.